Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. I'm Kathy Barrett, and life is something we shouldn't do alone, so I hope you'll spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. Today, our show is all about ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make this world a better place for all of us. Our special guest is Bryony Bax, who is the founder and director of the Orphan Support League, which aids parentless or displaced children around the world. Bryony was born in London, and she moved to New York City in 1986, which is when I met her. And before she even got off the plane, she signed up to volunteer at Covenant House, a homeless shelter for teenagers in New York City. She was part of a team that founded the first hospice for teenagers living with HIV and AIDS. She was also a clinic advocate and volunteer educator for Planned Parenthood for many years. Bryony has co-chaired and chaired numerous fundraisers for various organizations raising millions of dollars. She's also a very successful theater producer, a published poet, and she was the featured poet in MTA's Poetry in Motion series in Los Angeles. You can find out more information about Bryony Bax and the Orphan Support League by going to www.orphansupportleaguealloneword.org. Welcome, Bryony. It's so great to have you on the program today. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for, for having me on the show. I'm just thrilled. I think your work is extraordinary, and I just want to share some statistics from your website that are based on United Nations numbers and so that we can have a place to start here. That in Kenya's, Kenya's population is 34,256,000. 1.3 people are living with AIDS. 150,000 children are living with AIDS under the age of 11. And there are over 1.1 million AIDS orphans under the age of 17. These are very sobering numbers. They are very sobering. And in fact, um, the life expectancy has now been lowered in Kenya to 47 years old um, as a result of the AIDS pandemic. So there's a lot of work to be done there. And I also understand, I think it's one out of every three deaths is AIDS related. Uh, I think that's the statistic, yes. It's certainly wrecking havoc in many communities in Kenya, despite now they're trying to do some education. But most of the children that we work with, the 58 children that we work with at Sidea Orphanage, their parents have died as a result of AIDS. So what attracted you to this particular cause and how did the Orphan Support League come into existence in 2007? Well, it's really the responsibility of my aunt. My aunt is Kenyan. She is a tough old bird. She grew up in Kenya. Her mother died when she was young. She grew up by the side of the roads in Kenya because her father was making the roads in Kenya. So she wow. grew up in these camps. And um, she went to boarding school. Her father died when she was 16, so she was orphaned and sent to St. Andrews University in Scotland on a scholarship from the government. So she's quite an extraordinary woman. And... I didn't really know about her work in Africa until she got very sick in 2007. And also, 
all the electoral election riots happened that year. Mm. And I started talking to her about her work, and I realized that she's elderly now. She's 80 years old. And I realized that if somebody didn't carry on her work, that there may not be support for these 58 children. And I always knew that in America, people really want to help children in Africa, but they don't always trust the organizations and they want reassurance that the money is going directly to the program. And I felt that I could be effective in that and I could be a conduit for people to donate to Africa and know that their money was going to a place where it was going to go 100% to the children and be effective. And so I talked to a lawyer. He told me it was going to cost thousands of dollars to set up a uh, 5013C and I said, well, I'm not going to do that. So I bought a book for $67 <laughs> and uh, <laughs> set up my, my organization. And I just started telling the story of these children to people, and people really responded. Um, I, of course, I started traveling out to Gilgil, which is about two hours north of Nairobi, where we have our building. We have 58 children. Our youngest is four months. Our oldest two girls are 21 years old, and they're waiting to hear if they're going to university, so it's very exciting. Wow. And uh, we also have, so we've built a wonderful building for them. We also have a feeding program in Gilgil. In Gilgil, it's quite a tough city because there's a big army barracks there, and there's a big red light district there that serves this army barracks. And the women there are really living in very sub-substandard conditions, and the children were just running out on the streets. So Jill Simpson and my aunt Anne Mitchell, who are the founders of Sidea, along with Jane and Teresa, who are local, are local women who, who helped them with the founding, all decided to start a feeding station right in the middle of this red light district. So every day we have about 100 children coming for preschool and food um, and safety in that neighborhood. Wow. And I was just there in January, and it was just fantastic because we opened a new classroom, a Canadian charity called Chalice, who works with us, built a new classroom. And the parents all put on this celebration for the opening of the classroom. Now, these ladies are, they are really struggling with their lives, but they all came together and they did a wonderful theater production about how this area, Bondeni, was before the school came and how it is now. And so it was absolutely hilarious because before they, they did this little play where they were all falling down drunk and stealing from <laughs> each other. And, and now because they have certain disciplines, the discipline is they need to bring their children to school with some sort of uniform. That's all they're asked to do. But even that small discipline has helped them with their lives and we're providing support for them. And then we also have one of my favorite bits, which is the granny club. So we have about 50 grannies who we support by giving them English and Swahili lessons at the orphanage. And when they come in for those lessons, they get some porridge to take home. And they can earn points into, if they get so many points, then they're given a goat. And um, we also encourage them to make crafts, bags, beads, um, necklaces that we sell when groups come around the orphanage. So it's, it's quite a busy place. There's a lot going on. And um, I'm just happy that we can have people in America and in England and Canada and Australia who love this place and they visit this place, they make a connection with the children and with the grannies. And um, once people go there, they become advocates 
forever. And uh, I've just started, over the last few years, I've started taking volunteers out with me once a year to do a project at the school. And they, everyone who has come then goes on to do other things for Saidia because they realize how little these children have. And it, a dollar goes an awful long way in Kenya. So you just came back from Kenya now. So yep. tell us what your trip entail, entails. You know, what do you do when you get there? How many people do you, you know, right. explain to us what goes on. Well, I take, I take between four and seven volunteers. If you need a hairdryer, you can't come on the trip. <laughs> if you have any food issues, you can't come on the trip. <laughs> I'm a bit strict about it because I'm so screwed. <laughs> we're, we're there to, yeah, you're really screwed. Uh, we're there to help the children and serve the children. Right. And so we can't really have our needs put first. So right. I gather this group together and we go and what we do is spend a week at Saidia and because most of these children don't have any birth certificates, let alone photographs or anything of their lives, we do a photography project each time. And I was very glad this this time in January, I had a professional photographer from Minneapolis, Celia Davis, with me, and she took the most wonderful portraits of all the children. And then we, we take this lovely little printer that prints out, and it's hilarious to watch the children running this printer because they think it's the best thing they've ever seen. <laughs> and it prints out all the photographs for them, and they put them in special books that we had a donor give last year. So that's really the project. And then each volunteer finds what it is they like to do. For instance, one of our volunteers this year, Chris Madeira, she's a preschool teacher. But she found when she was in the preschool, all the children were getting distracted by her. So she went out and she sat with the older girls and started preparing food with them. Mm. And she loved that. So she ended up in the kitchen, which is where I often end up when I'm in, in Kenya. Uh, so that was her contribution to being there. So each volunteer finds what it is that connects with them and connects them with the children. We also try and take the children out for a special outing, either a picnic or a day out. And this year we did a big production where we took them to Lake Naivasha and took them out on boats and had a picnic. Now, these children have hardly ever been in a private car. They've mm -hmm. never been in a boat. They've never seen a pizza before. So when the pizzas came down for lunch, it was a bit of a moment because they didn't know what it was. So I told them it was chapati with tomatoes on it. And when they knew that, then they said it was fine. And they had it. They loved it. But uh, they, they never get exposed to these things. So we try and do one picnic or something for them when we're there. And that's a big celebration. And, of course, Kenyan style ends up in singing and dancing. And it's a very jolly day. After that... After we spend our time at Saidia, and we don't stay in the orphanage, we stay in a little bed and breakfast out in the countryside so that at the end of the day we go back there so we can have a hot shower and food, sort of Western food rather than African food. Um, and it just makes it easier for us to renew our energies for the next day to go and work again. Mm -hmm. After that, we normally go up to see a wonderful group of people called Flying Kites. Uh, they're at, um, fly up in Jabini. And they are young Americans who started this wonderful program. They have 28 children in their orphanage. They've built a school that has about, I think, 100 children going every day. 
they're building a clinic, they're building a library, and this was all started by three young people, and I got to know them in Kenya, and I've, we've been supporting them through Orphan Support League. So we go up to see their programs and how they're getting on because they're a new organization, but they're really doing fabulous work. And their name, if people want to go on the website, they can see them at www.flyingkitesglobal.org. So we go there, and then after that, it's playtime with the volunteers. So they get to go to Nairobi and go to the Elephant Orphanage and the Giraffe Manor. And then this time, we actually went out to Melindi uh, by the coast, which was their R&R after they had worked. So it's quite a trip, but it's a way for people to see and experience the real wonder of Africa, which is the spirit of the people, of the local people. We shop in the local farmers markets. We cook with the local women. It's, I love going, and I love sharing it with people, as long as they don't need a hair dryer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I could, I could do without, but, you know, the food would be mm-hmm. another issue. But I may be able to overcome that as well, because I would yes. love to go. It just sounds like an amazing trip to take, and it really brings the reality um, into your own life. You know, it's, 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 I guess, easy for people sometimes to just read about something that's happening across, you know, across the globe and right. feel compassion for it, but not necessarily feel moved to do anything about it. And, uh, and I, yes. I can see where once you're there, but even looking at your website, the photographs of the children, you can see how beautiful their little souls are. I mean, they're just yes. stunning. You can see the energy and feel the energy from the photographs, but I would imagine it would be really overwhelming if you were there in person. My problem is I would want to take every single child back to America. Well, you're not allowed to because our children are living in a happy family. Right. So right. they're not really they're not really children who need a home because they live in a family of 58, and they're very well taken care of by Jane and Teresa and Mother Rhoda, who are there. So I would say if you go, then pick on the child who's on the street and completely homeless to, right. to take home, but not mm-hmm. one of our children. But they are. The, the thing is, the openness of spirit of these children is wonderful. And it really makes you think, because these children really have nothing. All their belongings are kept in a two-by-six locker. And when I tell children in America that, they can't believe it because I ask them to think about all the things they have in their room and how they would get it in a locker. Well, I was just thinking that would be a great thing for really trips uh, for school children, you know, to take, you know, to really resonate with them and have them do that kind of, you know, charity work would be really amazing. Yes, I I think it is. I think sometimes it is very emotionally overwhelming. Yeah. And I always tell the volunteers that I take that they need to be very centered before going. Mm-hmm. This isn't an eat, love, pray trip. There's no Javier Bardem at the end who's going to take <laughs> someone off uh, and love them. This is a service yeah. trip. Sure. And I have found that people need to be emotionally centered to come and uh, that it's really about giving. And, of course, as you know, the more you give, the more you get back. And the emotional fulfillment of being there is quite overwhelming. And the connection with these children and the help that you can give them. The one thing I always say to school children, because I, I talk in the United States, I go around schools and I give talks about the work that we do. When I tell children in the United States that our children at Zydea, they normally get two sodas a year, one at Christmas and one when we come out and take them on a picnic. Wow. 
And that is a big deal for them. And so when the children in the United States hear that, they really realize how simply these children are living. But they're very happy. The children in, in Saidia and the children that we work with in Gilgil are very happy. They don't really understand the need for stuff. <laughs> yeah. But they're just like American children. They all have dreams, hopes. They love watching music videos. We have a TV there. They love dancing. They have exactly the same emotions as the kids I know in America. It's just they don't have as much stuff. Yes, and, and also what I find really remarkable is, you know, judging by all of these statistics, which are very humbling, you know, they could you, you know also look at uh, and say, I don't have a future. And yet that's not even a point of right. conversation anywhere, which I find very, very right. inspiring. It's it's right. that there is nothing but, you know, hope and, um, you know, love and, and anything's possible, which I think we could use a great deal of in this country. It's almost like there should be an exchange program of sorts. <laughs> I think <laughs> so. I think that there is a, and there's a great value to education because not every child benefits from education because elementary school is free in Kenya but high school isn't so a lot of children have to stop going because their parents can't afford them mm. to send them so I think there's enormous value so the children know the fact that we're paying for them to go to schools that are appropriate for their academic prowess and that might may mean spending money to send them to boarding schools because they're very academic and they need that help or it may be finding agricultural or sewing programs in our local communities to pay for because that's really the way they're going to be earning their living, they really appreciate that those, that those things are being taken care of by this idea board in Kenya and supported by the English board by my aunt Anne Mitchell and my cousin Mark Mitchell and Medina Johnson. They run the English board. I run the American board. And so they know that there are all these people outside Kenya supporting them. The one thing that happened this year, which I was thrilled about, was that the local community in Gilgil are now stepping up to help. Equity Bank in, in Gilgil, the bank manager, uh, gave a series of talks to our grannies about saving and budgeting. Huh. I went along to one of them. My husband, Simon, was thrilled that I was learning about <laughs> saving and budgeting. Not something I'm very good at. Uh, and uh, so I went with them. So the, the bank put on this special finance training for the grannies. They then bought food for the children at Saidia at, at Christmas. Wow. And then we just invited, when I was there, the local bank manager came to the opening of the new wing at Saidia, at, sorry, Bondeni, and uh, they, I think, will now sponsor some children. So it's really the first time that we've seen local businesses in Kenya helping Saidia, and that was really heartening to me that not only can we plow away at that in America, but the local people are understanding the responsibilities that they have as well for these children. That's really Unfortunately, of course, there are many, many, many children that we can't help, and you have to sort of keep focused and make sure that the 58 that we do have, and we're really at capacity now, get the best that they can have. But it definitely is feels like a drop in the bucket. Well, I want to get to that, but before we do, I want to make sure we we get you know we talk about give a gift of mother's love, make mother's day matter. Yes. Let's talk yes. about that. 
Well, my wonderful volunteers who came this year, Chipper, Celia, and Chris, decided that they really wanted to do something. And they wanted to do something around Mother's Day because Chipper's family one year gave a cow to flying kites for Chipper's Mother's Day present. And it worked out well, except, of course, cows actually cost a lot more than you think they're going to cost because you have to build a building for them. You've got to get somebody to look after them. And then the cow had a baby, so there were a lot of vet fees. (laughs) But anyway, this sparked this whole thing that they wanted to do a campaign about giving the gift of a mother's love and making Mother's Day matter. And with Gail Sells as well, they are coming up with this campaign where they're asking families to think about, instead of doing the usual going out to dinner and all that kind of thing, is to set up automatic payments for the year to pay for some of the things for the children at Sidea. So, for instance, $25 a month will pay for school fees for a child for a year. $50 a month will pay for school fees, books, uniforms, and food. And then people who are really generous, who want to give $100 a month, will pay for all those fees and the housing, plus contribute to the granny program and the Bondani feeding station. And because our organization is run completely by volunteers, Nobody in America gets paid a dime to do this Mm -hmm. because we believe that 100% of our money needs to go to our programs. Uh, They're encouraging people to do it on an automatic payment. And you can do that at our website by going to the Just Give button on www.orphansupportleague.org. And there's a Just Give button. And with Just Give, you can do monthly payments of any amount you want. And if you set that up before May, we are going to send special cards to the person that you're going to honor and say happy mother's day or whatever is appropriate for your for your gift not everybody has a mother uh, sometimes we want to honor people who have fulfilled that role in our life or somebody else teacher maybe something like that and so we're rolling that out for mother's day that sounds like a wonderful program and it makes a lot of sense and so let's uh, repeat the website so people yes. can it's the a- website is www. Orphan Support League, or one word, dot org. And if you have any questions, you can always me- email me directly. And my email is Bryony Bax. I've got such a weird name, so I'll spell it B R I O N Y B A X at yahoo.com. And we can personalize cards for you, and they get, they'll get this lovely copy of their environment and really made. I mean, I can't believe that, you know, going into a red light district and with the military and whoever came up with that idea of, um, you know, having yeah. the, the stand for food and drink and, and all that was really, it was such a brilliant idea because then the community came together and it, it saw its potential, you know, right. outside of what it, it was. I think it starts with the bravery of the women who started this, Jill Simpson, Jane Canuthia, Teresa, and my Aunt Anne. These women are fearless, mm-hmm. and they will go anywhere to help children. And I think it's a wonderful example for all of us. Sometimes we say, oh, maybe we shouldn't get involved, maybe we shouldn't stand up for this child. But really, every child deserves protection and deserves education. And it's really their bravery. I just feel as if I just got swept up in their tide. And I'm thrilled that I did, and I'm thrilled that I'm able to go and and spend so much time there. But they're really the, the women who started this and saw the need. Well, that I, I congratulate them, and it is also um, 
you know, extraordinary what they accomplished. But I know you, Bryony, <laughs> you have the biggest heart of anyone I know and uh, are just as fearless and will always dive into, you know, whatever you need to dive into to help another human being. And I, that's what I admire about you the most. So let's, what's your greatest hope for the Orphan Support League? My greatest hope is that we can go along as we are. We don't need to raise hundreds and thousands of dollars every year. At the moment, we raise about $30,000 a year. If we have a building program, then yes, we have to, we have to raise more. But there seem to be a lot of people who, who will give to building programs. I would like it to continue as a grassroots organization. I don't really want it to get into the million dollars where we have to have development directors and we have to have staff and those sorts of things. I really like it that we're a group of mothers who are grassroots organizers and that we are happy to donate our time to, to running this organization. And fortunately, I have these great volunteers who work with me. They're mainly based in Piedmont, California, but then we have Celia Davis, who's in uh, Minneapolis, so she's um, helping us from there. And thank goodness the Internet makes everything so much easier. So I would like us just to move forward as we are. I don't see us becoming a Red Cross or an Oxfam, but I do see us having partnerships and supporting children, not only in Kenya. We actually are supporting a few children in in China at the moment. And that came about because I met somebody who is going in there, and there's a, there's a huge AIDS problem there, and there's a mother who is going in there by herself supporting families just from the good of her heart. And how I judge a program is I have to meet the person who's running it. I have to visit the program before I even think about giving a grant to them. So sure. this woman so touched my heart that we have been going, and I'm actually going in October to go visit these families in Henan province. So I don't think we should be limited to East Africa in any way. Uh, we need to be focused to, to make sure that we, we can finish what we've started. And, of course, when you take a four-month-old on that's idea, we've yeah. got to make sure that that child is educated and will maybe paying for their education, hopefully until they're 25 if they go to university. So it's a big responsibility. But I'm always interested to see what people are doing. But I really like this grassroots, everything going to the project kind of giving because I think that it – it's a very dynamic way of doing it, and it, the connection that you feel with the programs are very strong. And I think more and more our volunteers will, will be going out and talking at schools, and I'm always happy to go to schools or any organization to talk about our work. And uh, I've, I've been doing that in America, and I've also done it a bit in England as well. And I've got a whole group of Kenyans in England now who want to get involved, so that's Really fantastic. And also, so it sounds I, I like you're, what you're doing would be a good model for other, you know, being that it is manageable, it's such a great model for other people to follow. It is manageable as long as there's a lot of transparency and that somebody is being extremely responsible with the money. Mm -hmm. um, and the only thing is that it's not, it's sustainable in so much that I can afford to do this, but it's not—it's not really a model that uh, m that many people could 
do it because they're going to have to pay for their flights to Kenya, for instance, and things mm. like that. And I feel fortunate that I'm able to do that. Okay. That's why I feel I can represent other people who may not be able to do that. Okay. But I can, in a way, bring this idea to them if they can't. Um, so, but as long as we stay small and focused, I think we will be, we'll be great. Well, Bryony, it's been extraordinary to have you on the program. I think the work is magnificent that you're doing. And uh, let me remind people, it's uh, www.orphansupportleague.org. We're speaking to Bryony Bax, the founder and director. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and spreading your light and your wisdom with us. I mean, what you're doing is so important to the world. And not everybody takes the time or takes the time or <clears throat> is willing to go into their pocket to do this kind of, you know, amazing work for other people. Right. So on behalf of everyone, I thank you because I really think it's brilliant what you do and I'm happy to spread the word for you. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you for having me on the show today. Okay, folks, next week, Behind the Curtain will kick off its series on addiction, and we will be joined by Candace Bolback, psychotherapist and life management specialist, to talk about nicotine. This is Kathy Barrett sending you a virtual hug from behind the curtain. So great to have you along on this journey. I'll be back next week, and I hope that you'll tune in and be with me. Peace.